0: and okay it's been eight weeks guys eight weeks um you would think after finding out everything that we have access to everything that belongs to us because of the finished work of christ jesus it would begin to change our thoughts our actions our attitudes our behaviors right amen everyone right If I do this, yep, 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 yep. It it should, you would think, because faith without works is dead being alone. And so if we actually are those who believe the word of God, then when we sit in services like this, when we're at our small groups, our life groups, when we're doing our personal Bible devotions, and all of a sudden we have that (gasps) moment, you know, that aha moment, I've never seen that before. I've never heard it, you know, spoke about that way then it would begin to change who we are, amen? And we gotta be careful about little things in life that are just normal, normal life, right? Because some things the Bible addresses that we in our culture has determined it to be normal or everybody just struggles with that, everybody just does that, everybody. Well, if everybody's doing it, I don't know if we should be doing it. Amen, everyone? Because not everybody understands the Word of God. And I want to spend the next few minutes talking about something that if we're not careful, we can slip into this, well, that's just normal life. Amen? Father, we love you, and we thank you for your Word, and we thank you that the entrance of your Word does bring light. It brings understanding. And Father, Jesus said in his own words, greater works will you do because I go unto the Father. And so, Lord, he was anointed to set the captives free. And Father, I thank you for that same anointing on me today, Father, as we look into your word. Father, there are those of us in the room who have been held captive by something, and we don't even realize it. But because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit today, they will be set free in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So uh, we all know Halloween is next week, right? So everybody's, everybody's kind of getting dressed up. Everybody's, anybody watch scary movies? Anybody been watching scary movies, right? Tis the season to watch scary movies, go to costume parties, trick-or-treat. I mean, what else could, you know, steal the beauty of this time of year? I mean, cooler temperatures leaves are changing, like, it is a great time of year. We were driving home last night and all the leaves, you know, it's the wind starting to blow, the colorful leaves across the, the, the road, and Tyra and I are like, oh my gosh, this is, it's so pretty. This time of year is so pretty. But we put all of that on hold for a couple of days uh, as we begin to submerse ourselves into scary situations. I mean, think about it. Trick or treat is a threat isn't it? You better give me something sweet or the purge starts now. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's what it is. You better give me something sweet or it's on. Like that's kind of where, you know, we're like going to spooky houses. We were driving by this one place that I honestly, I could not even tell you it was there. We've driven this road, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 100 times. And For whatever reason, we were coming back last night at night, and the whole place was lit up scary, and it was one of those Hex House kind of deals where everybody's parking, you know, uh, a mile away and walking to be a part of this thing, and it's just this this season that we're like... I'm going to see how bad I can get scared, right? I'm going, to see, I'm going to see what I can do to make myself really afraid. And here's my question. Has anybody actually ever been really afraid? Now, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about scary movie afraid. I'm talking about this may be it kind of afraid. I remember when I was little... Um, We had a bass boat, okay? It was this, you know, if you're familiar with bass boats, there's a reason why people on Grand drive big, deep, V-bottom boats is because the waves on Grand get really kind of tumulent at times. And those big boats can slice right through the water. Well, we had this bass boat, and it was a very shallow bass boat. And I'm I'm just a little guy at the time. And uh, the reason why they're shallow is because you can get up where, you know, it's like shallow water. Uh, you can get up close to the bank and you can fish. And this one particular time I'm with my parents, we're in this bass boat. And uh, of course, I'm a kid. I don't care about fishing. I'm just, you know, I maybe brought my toys or something. I'm playing around the bottom of the boat. And I, and I look up and I'm, I'm watching my dad and my dad who's sitting in the second row right here. My dad's, my dad's looking at the sky and he's been looking at it for a little bit. And we had one of those, oh, I'm going to call it monsoon from Hades like showed up. And the thing about the thing about a storm on a lake, when you're in your house, you hear it start to rain, you look out the window and you're like, oh, it started raining. When you're on a boat in the middle of a lake, you see how fast those storms can roll in. And so we're in this shallow bass boat. It's me, my little brother, my mom, my dad, we're in this little bitty oh it's not a little boat, it's a big it was a big bass boat, but it's shallow. And the thing about a bass boat is when the when, when it, the lake is still, man, they think they, they just zip across the water. But you get any kind of waves out there, and that boat just goes with the waves. Well, when this monsoon, I mean, it, it just came out of nowhere. And my dad says, oh, we better head in. And that's all it was. Oh, we better head in. And so they all reel their, you know, their fishing poles in. And before we could get the fishing poles in the, in the little pole cuddy and he could get that boat started, oh, buddy, it was on us. And my dad says, hang on, right? And he just put, we had a 200-horse Johnson on the back of this thing. And uh, if you've ever watched a bass boat go down the water, I mean, the only thing in the water is the prop, right? That's how fast those things go. Well, when the waves are going like this, and he just hit it, right, and we're trying to get back to safety, we're trying to get back to dry land, and I'll never forget, I look back at my mom, who's also in the second row, um, I look back at my mom because, you know, I could really tell, because, you know, your dad. Your dad's not going to show emotions, right? We're just like, we got a job to do, right? <laughs> I got to save my family here, right? Uh, but, but the moms can tell, right? The moms, the moms wear it on their face. And the minute I look back at my mom to, to kind of assess how severe the situation is, where her eyebrows were up, uh, we hit a wake, uh, a wave, and the boat kind of jarred, and it jarred her over kind of towards my dad. And she had to reach over and grab the oh shoot bar. <laughs> you know what that is, right? the church version, <laughs> the oh shoot, There's, and, and she had an oh shoot bar, and she grabbed it, oh shoot, right, it's like, that's, and she grabbed it, and, and we, I mean, rocked and reeled, I mean, I thought the boat was doing this, and it was, I mean, it was, it was deadliest catch on Lake Fort Gibson, it was bad. Eight-year-old, or, you know, younger, me, thought it was that way, and I said, this is it, this is how I go right here, middle of the lake, lightning, thunder, torrential rain. Like, here we go. Well, we made it back to the, to the shore. Obviously, I'm here now. But it's, it, was, it was probably the first time in my life that I, I had that, I just don't know if we're going to make it. I just don't know if we're going to make it. What, what is it for you? Maybe it's a sense of, I just don't know how my future is going to turn out. The future seems so unclear. Maybe it's a sickness that has been passed down from generation to generation, and you're walking around with this thought in the back of your head, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Maybe you have some kind of a phobia, like you don't like dark you know, rooms, you don't like uh, confined spaces. You don't like crowds. You don't like clowns. I don't know, right? It's just, there's something there that's a phobia and, and, it, and it, it scares you. Maybe for some of you, you've never, you've never seen or experienced a successful relationship or marriage in your life. And so you're going through life, even if you're in a relationship, you're going through a life wondering if this is the argument that is going to separate you, that is going to cause you to divorce. If this, oh, that was it. That was, that was the argument that did us in. Fortunately, the Bible has a lot to say along these lines. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, says this in the, in the second part of the verse it says god has said i will never leave you let that be comfort to someone in the room especially if you've never had a relationship that has stuck true god says i don't care what you've done i will never leave you and i will never desert you king james says i will never leave you and i will never forsake you to leave you is physical to forsake you is emotional. God is saying, I will never physically leave you, and I will never emotionally forsake you. I am there with you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Listen, if you have a um, history of Alzheimer's or dementia in your family, now is the time to start quoting 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 over your life and over your mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I don't care what has happened in my upline. I don't care what has happened. I don't care about the diet in our, in our Western culture. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a... all the days of my life, I will be sharp. I will be quick. I will be focused. My grandma will turn 104 years old in November. And I'm telling you, when we were, when we didn't get to go hang out with her last uh, November, but the November before she was at our, it was her birthday celebration, and it was Thanksgiving. Um, Happens the same time. And uh, she would sit there and just recall story after story after story and tell them in very intimate detail of what's going on. You could talk to her, and she is sharp, sound mind. Amen. That's, that's, That's your story too. Because the Scripture says that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Well, if fear doesn't come from God, where does it come from? Are you with me, friends? Yes. Here's the thing about fear. Fear is debilitating. Yes, it is. It's debilitating. When you think about fear, fear constantly asks the question, what if? Yeah. What, what if this happens, right? What if, that, what if, what if you get sick? Yeah. What if you get laid off? What if you can't pay your bills? What is your family supposed to do? See, fear makes us feel powerless. I mean, looking back to 2020, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that, you know, the, the government said, everybody, you know, lockdown, everybody go, go sit in your house, don't come out. Like, that was, that was bad, but that's not what we were afraid of. We were afraid of some invisible virus that we couldn't see, that we found out that people could be carriers of and not even know it, And it created this fear inside of us. Fear makes you role-play scenes out in your head that more than likely will never happen. Are you with me, friends? We're going to talk a little bit about fear today because, well, number one, the Holy Spirit told me to teach on it, which tells me we need to teach on it. And it tells me that there's probably more people in the room who are struggling with little subtle, subtle um, presence of fear in their life than, than we may realize. Fear will make us role play things that may never happen. Well, what do you do when you realize you're in fear? I think for some of us who are seemingly pretty good right now, it seems like it's just a matter of time before we're going to be tempted to be afraid again. Fear is the biggest enemy. Fear is that emotion, that feeling. Fear is the enemy. Whether it's sickness, whether it's a potential layoff, whether the tornado sirens are going off. Are you with me? It's not the fact that there's a tornado. The fact is, what's it going to do to me? We were joking recently. um, I, I have decided that I don't like heights, I don't like to be really tall up there and and the reason why is it's not that I'm afraid of being up there as much as I'm afraid of going back down there at a really fast pace you know what I mean it's not the fear of heights it's the fear of falling and it's it's having security in the ladder that I'm on or the lift which the lift that we have at your place church you got to pray in the spirit before you get on that thing You got to pray in the spirit. I mean, it is. It is. If anybody's been if volunteered with Sam and the production team, or in the events crew, or whatever, you get on that lift and you're you're, you're like driving around the church, and it's like, woo, this is kind of fun. Then you go up, right? You go up, and the thing starts going. Rrr, rrr, you know what I mean? And uh, it's scary. It's scary if you if you if you don't know who you are in Christ. Amen, <laughs> amen. So what do we do? What do we do if we're the type of person that whether we admit it or not, things scare us? There is a level of fear associated with some certain part of my life. Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, again, you have access to this, but you got to step into it. You got to step into it. 2 Corinthians tells us That we have the ability to control our thoughts. We have the ability to control our thoughts. Verse 5 says, casting down imagination. What is that? That is role-playing. Did you know out of all the creatures ever created... Human beings are the only ones that have the ability to imagine, to dream, to foreshadow, right? God created us different than every other creature on the planet, except cats. I'm convinced cats ponder. They want to kill you, and they're trying to figure out a way to do it. They're just, I, I, other than cats, okay, we are the only creature in all of creation who has the ability to imagine, to dream, to ponder. But according to this, we also have the ability to stop thinking and to cast down, one translation says, vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because that's what it's trying to do. Because we know that God says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But fear tries to come in and say, oh yeah, but what if? And so we have to take control of those thoughts. And the Bible says, and bring them or bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We have the ability, whether we do it or not, we have the ability to control our thoughts. And uh, I, I won't do it right now, but I was, I was in a service much like this, and the speaker said, everybody start counting to 10, start counting to 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, five. quietly, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, right? Okay, now count to 20, okay, 1, 2, 3, and then right in the middle, he said, stop, and everybody stopped and looked right at him. See, we were thinking about counting to 20, but when he said stop, we all stopped. Our thoughts do not and have not uh, the ability to control us unless, unless we don't take control of them. Does this make sense, friends? You can control your thoughts. You can control your emotions. You know, in Miss Tyra's book, she talks about um, playing the what if game. Well, what if this happens What if that happens, and oh my gosh, if this happens, what am I gonna do, right? Those are thoughts and we allow our thoughts to get the best of us. She says, if we're gonna play the what if game anyway, and we're gonna gonna ask what if questions about stuff that may or may not happen anyway, then why don't we just say, you know, instead of what if my kids get sick, it's what if they grow up to live happy, healthy lives? I mean, if you're gonna play the what if game anyway, what if instead of, oh, no, what if I lose my job? What if, what if I get promoted and get a bonus? What if all of a sudden I start leading the department? I mean, if we're going to play the what if game anyway, let's play the what if game in the positive, not the negative. Are you with me, friends? What if, what if, you're, the, what if you're the very picture of health and they write documentaries about you living to be 100? Amen, everyone? I mean, if you're going to play the what-if game anyway, then let's play it right. Let's play it like the Scripture says to play it. Well, in order to do that, we have to be aware of our thought life. We have to be aware of what's going on in here. Everything, battles are fought, won, and lost right here. Your battle is fought, and it's either won or lost right here before you ever walk into a situation. Does this make sense, friends? So if you get a negative thought, a what-if negative thought, you've got to address that, no, no, I'm not gonna think that way. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. And for me, I never address negative thoughts with other thoughts. I use my words. I let my ears hear my words. Quote the Word of God. My God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Every time I drive by a, a cemetery, I'm like, with long life, He will satisfy me and show me His salvation. Amen. Amen. Anytime I see something that I, that I, I desire, I'm like, God gives me the desires of my heart. Amen. I let my ears hear my words Speak the word of God. It'll change you, friends. It'll change you. The reason we fear is because we think we are somehow powerless in this particular situation. That's why we're afraid. We think that there is, some, there is nothing we can do To change this particular situation and we don't like the way that feels if we have a sickness that's hereditary there seems like there's nothing we can do when a tornado is barreling down on our part of the town it seems like there's nothing we can do when no one is buying or selling what we're selling or no one is buying what we're selling it seems like we can't just force people to buy it right and the reason we fear is because we think that no one's there to save me. No one's there to, to, to help me. And we think that we can't help ourselves. And if you think about it, fear, all fear and panic is, is an indicator. It's the warning light that comes on. You know, when you're driving in your car and all of a sudden your check engine light goes, boom, right? It's like something's wrong. That's what fear and panic is. It is an indicator that something in here is wrong. Does this make sense? If I'm panicking, I either do not trust that God is going to or is willing to or has the ability to save me in this particular situation or I don't have any trust that I am going to trust God in this particular situation that's what fear is and that's what panic is because something's wrong I can't fix it and nobody else wants to when in reality he says I'll never leave you I got this you're safe the Bible talks about how he is a high tower he is a place of refuge I was I don't have it in my notes. I had to look it up um, right before service. And the Bible talks about, in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though, like what, what could be, what, what was the worst thing that could happen? Well, he goes there. Even though the earth be removed even if this whole thing blows up. He says, And even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. The Bible, he says, He is my refuge. He is my rock. He is my hiding place. He is a place of salvation. In fact, the most repeated command in the Bible is don't be afraid. The most repeated command in the Bible, fear not. Don't be afraid. Because he knows he's created us with the ability to imagine. He's created us with the ability to role play. He's created us with this ability to dream. And the number one thing that he says is, I'm not sorry I created you that way. But stop freaking out. Stop panicking. Fear not. The number one most repeated phrase in the Bible, which means we have some control over it. We have some control over it. But it also means this is why we can't just coast in life. This is why we can't just let, well, you know, things happen. It's true, things happen. But you need to engage this thing. You need to engage this relationship that you have with your heavenly father. Because if you don't take his word as truth, then you're going to walk in fear the rest of your life. Are you with me, friends? This is why we've got to engage this. I love what Seth Godin, which is a business coach and author, he says, do what you should do and your mood will follow. Do what you should do and your mood will follow. And we've seen it a million times. Everything can be going on out here in this world, chaotic. And we'll walk into this place. And we'll get ready, and all of a sudden the countdown hits, and the worship team comes out. And man, they go into this moment, and it's like all the cares of the world just go away because I'm right in the middle of God's presence and His focus and His attention. Yes, amen. We went to a conference a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'll be honest. I had not been spending the appropriate amount of time in the presence of God in a particular area of my life. And something about being in the room, something about being in His presence, something about hearing what His Word says about me changed everything. Amen? And I started acting and feeling different. Can you really not be afraid? Is it possible to not worry? Some people feel like if you don't worry, you ain't a good person. You're you're not worried about them? What kind of a person are you, right? It's like, I mean, it's like we show we love people by the way we're concerned or worried or in fear about them, right? Well, here's what I know. Perspective is always greater than reality. And it's amazing when you know the truth about something, how it changes. Have you ever been in a situation and it looked like, oh, man, this is it. But then you find out a little bit more information and you're like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad, right? You get a, you get a report from the doctors. Well, we think it could be this. We're going to run some tests, but you better be prepared for this. And then they run the test, and they call you back in, and they're like, oh, it was nothing. You probably should have a little bit more iron in your diet. Great. Could we have started with that, right? Could we have started with that? I, I know uh, it wasn't this house, but it was the house we lived in before this house. It was the uh, first night in the house. We're asleep. It's the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, I, something woke me up. Everybody else is asleep. And I kept hearing this, shh, thud. I'm like, what is that? Thud. It's coming from the attic. Every spook movie I ever watched came back right there and in that moment, right? Thud. First time I lived in the house, right? Every, every haunted house movie where the family moves in to the charming house in the daytime, at nighttime, there's a weird-looking girl that comes and kills people, right? In the, in the movie, right? And and so I'm the man. Like, I'm, I, I, what I wanted to do was like, hey, honey, go see what that is, right? <laughs> Big, I'm a man. Hey, you should go check that out, right? <laughs> Thud. And so I get up. And, I, and when, you, when you don't know, I mean, it's dark outside. I, I, the moon wasn't even out. Like, it's dark outside. <laughs> Thud. And it just keeps happening. And I, I get up. And I start looking around the house, you know. The only phone we, ha- the only flashlight we have these days, are on our phone. I'm, I'm looking around the house, thud, and I can't, I cannot find it. I'm looking everywhere, and I finally isolate it, and it's literally coming from the attic, thud. There's something in the attic, right? Why well, ain't going into the attic at 3:30 in the morning, right? I just, I'm just not going to do it. So, literally, stayed awake all night going, if it comes down, I'm going to get it. Whatever it is, if it comes down, I'm going to get it. <laughs> thud. Well, daytime comes around, the sun comes up, and it's, boom, that's all it is. And I get up in the attic, and it turns out this particular house had a turbine vent that when the wind would blow through it, it would go, thud, thud. Thud. In the daytime, not a big deal. Right? But at nighttime when you don't know what it is, it will froak you out. It will froke you out. And then the next night when I went to bed, thud. Eh. Why? Because perspective is greater than reality. My perspective was there is something in the attic. In reality, it was a turban vent. And when you get a little bit of truth, when you get a little bit of light on the matter, it changes everything. And it's the same with every single fear you're walking through. From your perspective, it can't get any worse. When in reality, God says, I've already taken care of that. I've already taken care of that. Is this helping anyone today? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. This is, this is the thing that kind of set me free. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The NIRV says it this way. Our fight is not against human beings. And it starts talking about, you know, we're fighting this this unseen thing out there. And I know a lot of people are clueless when it comes to conversations about, you know, unseen or rulers in high places, and I don't have time to go into angels and demons and stuff like that, just know that they exist. But here's the point. Jesus says, I've given you authority over all of that. They can't even hurt you. They can't even touch you. You have authority over all of it. And, and this is why we can walk in a newness of life. Because Jesus Christ adopted us, he gave us authority to use the name of Jesus. And according to 2 Timothy chapter 1, fear doesn't come from God because he hasn't given me a spirit of fear. So what do you do in a situation like that? What do you do when you're tempted to fear? First thing you do is you control your thoughts. You use the word of God against your own thoughts. And it's amazing how your, your perspective changes once you know the truth. Amen? And then if there is a costume or an outfit that you could put on, the Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God. There is a dress. There is an outfit. There is something that we can put on, not just this time of year, but every time of every year. And it's called the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You're not going down. Say this. Say, I will not not go down. down. Sometimes you just got to tell yourself that. Say, I I will will not not be afraid. afraid. Does that do anything to anybody? Just hearing myself say it does something to me. And then he starts going into the full armor of God. He says, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and always keep on praying for all the saints real quickly four things i got out of that scripture number one get ready get ready because the bible says put on the full armor of god so when the day of evil comes listen friends we live in a fallen world and so there are going to be things out there that will try to scare you get ready get ready The second thing, when it starts talking about this armor of God, it starts giving you very details about it. It starts talking about the belt of truth. And in, in Bible days, the belt was the actual thing that held every other piece of armor in place. And it's called the belt of truth for a reason. Because it's, if you're believing a lie, you need the truth to set you free. And what happened is you would put the belt of truth on and then every other armor clicked to it, right? When you have an understanding of truth, then all of a sudden it changes things. When you find out that the Bible says with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation, that's truth, click. Does that make sense? You're like, I really want peace. And you say, well, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Click. You're clicking it in, right? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Click. And then it starts talking about the breastplate of righteousness. If you know anything about, the, about armor, then you know this is the part that saves all the vital organs. It protects it. It's talking about our right standing with God. It protects the core of who we are. And even if I don't understand any of the other pieces, understand this one. Because I cannot be taken away from my God. Your feet fitted. The Bible says feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. I believe the key word here is ready. We're ready. We're ready. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. You understand a blow to the head is is a fatal blow. But the Bible talks about a helmet of salvation. And then it says, and the sword of the spirit. Did you notice all the other other armor is there for defensive precautions except for this one. This one's there for offensive. This is the one that we do battle with. Now, here's the thing I want to point out. When it's talking about dressing in this, nothing is mentioned about protecting the back. Nothing's mentioned about protecting the back belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. Well, what about your back? Well, you're never going to have your back turned towards the enemy. You're always going to be on the offensive. You're always going to look straight at it and attack it. And I'm telling you, friends, there are people in this room today that fear has gripped you. Fear has gripped you And what I want to do right now Is I want to pray for you In this place I want to pray for you that that fear leaves And that you have an understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ You have access to all of this You have access to the name of Jesus You've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ You have right standing with God There is no reason for you to live in fear. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that whatever that fear is, that today it has to leave. And then this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. You, You have to engage this. You have to engage this. You have to take authority over this. You have to be the one. You have to be the one. I'm going to say it again. You have to be the one to stand up and take authority over this thing. You have to be the one to use your faith. You have to be the one that sees what the scripture says about it. And if you're like, but I can't, I don't want to be the one then you will have this the rest of your life. And I'll say it with a smile because maybe it'll go down better. (laughs) You'll have it for the rest of your life because I can pray for you until until I'm blue in the face. But until you stand up, until you take it back, until you stand against it, it will constantly attack. But the minute that you realize who you are in Christ... The minute you realize what the Bible says, that the Bible is truth, and you get just a little bit of light on that thing, all of a sudden, it changes everything. It changes everything. That thud was nothing. But it took a little bit of light for that to happen. Amen? Bow your heads with me real quick.